Welcome or welcome back to the company of the cat. Hi, how are you? Today's video is all about one of George's favorite houses, House Blackwood. I want to clarify up front that this is a theory, speculation, headcanon, whatever you want to call it. The thing is I usually load up my videos with as much text-based proof as I can, but with this topic we're kind of working with limited info. I still based my take on the text and stuck to the whole universe, magic, world building, myths, you name it, but I still had to fill in the blanks. It doesn't sound that crazy to me. Could it be of the world? Yep, but honestly, that's how it works with most theories, especially in our fandom. <laughs> in case you are not aware, all my videos have captions. And without further ado, put on your feather cloak and let's dive right in. The Blackwoods are an ancient firstman family with a very interesting history. The stories say they used to control most of the Woolswood in the north, but the Kings of Winter from House Stark pushed them back. Maester Burnaby's runic translations back up this story too, it's interesting to know that the Blackwood River Kings marked the territory from their seat to the mouth of the Blackwood Rush at some point. House Blackwood has a long and bitter feud with their neighbors, the Brikens of the Stoneheads, over in the Riverlands. This grudge goes way back to the Age of Heroes, a time where both families ruled as kings. From the Blackwood side, they say the Brikens are just small-time lords and horse breeders who had to hire soldiers to steal the Blackwood throne. On the other hand, the Brycans say it was the Blackwoods who were once vassals and then turned traitors in order to usurp the Brycan crown. To make things even more complicated, there is a dispute about when did all this happen. The Blackwoods say it was 500 years before the Andals showed up, but the true history says it was a thousand years before them. But honestly, the timeline established in the true history is sketchy since it doesn't line up well with other sources or even with itself. Now the Blackwoods call Raventree Holder home, the name comes from the big heart tree there. In the Goldswood, there's this ancient weirwood tree that is dead and massive. And like clockwork, every evening a bunch of ravens showed up and chill on the huge weirwood branches. This has been happening for ages, and it's why the house's emblem has a bunch of ravens around the dead weirwood on a black shield with a red background. The reason behind the death of this tree is a bit of a mystery. According to the Blackwoods, the Brackens poisoned it, but the Brackens deny this claim. We have seen quite a few Blackwoods throughout the publications. The most important is by far Brynden Rivers, aka Bloodraven. He was the illegitimate child of King Aegon IV and his sixth mistress, Lady Melissa Blackwood. In addition to two elder sisters named Mia and Gwynis, he had a bunch of half-siblings as well. Due to his mother's noble lineage, Brynden was considered one of the great bastards, legitimized by King Aegon. Brynden was a Targaryen loyalist during the Blackfyr Rebellions and sustained a significant injury during the first Blackfyr Rebellion that cost him an eye. He rarely hid the empty socket behind a patch, instead choosing to let his current empty socket be seen. Despite losing an eye, he was killed with his Valyrian steel longsword, Dark Sister, and his weapon of choice was a tall weirwood longbow. Dark Sister is now in an unknown location, but it is most likely in Bloodraven's cave since he is the last known wielder. Rumors surrounding Brynden suggested that he had a sinister aura, often seen as a sorcerer, and held the title of Spymaster. He was even reputed to effectively govern the realm with spies and spells, earning him the moniker Lord Bloodraven. People would often ask a riddle about him. How many eyes does Lord Bloodraven have? A thousand eyes and one. The song A Thousand Eyes and One was composed in his honor, and considering the stuff we know about him now, mostly from Brand's chapters, these rumors were most likely true, since Brynden is not merely a skin changer, but also a green seer, something that most definitely was passed down to him through his Blackwood side. I won't dive too deep into the Blackfyre rebellions, because it's quite the saga, but long story short, 
Brynden rose to prominence, became Hand of the King and Master of Whisperers. He served through the reign of his nephew, King Eris I Targaryen, and then continued as a hand for his successor, his brother Makar. Following Makar's passing, Brynden as a hand called a great council in King's Landing to sort out the messy succession issue. Aenys Blackfire was king on participating in the council peacefully, so Brynden assured him safe passage from Tyros to King's Landing. But once Aenys arrived, he was arrested by the Gold Cloaks and swiftly executed in the Red Keep. The Great Council then chose Maker's youngest son, Aegon V, as the new king, and Egg's first move was to arrest Brynden for Aenys' murder. Rumor has it that Brynden was held in the Red Keep's dungeons, and he argued that he made a tough choice for the greater good. Aegon's deal was for him to join the Night's Watch or face execution, so Brynden took the black, and in 233, Maester Aemon, with an entourage including Sir Duncan the Tall, and a group of Night's Watch recruits sailed for the wall. Among them was Brynden, along with 200 men and some prisoners, many of them from Brynden's raven's teeth. Brynden eventually became the Lord Commander six years later, but in 252, he vanished while ranging beyond the wall, and presently he's our resident Greenseer and Bran's mentor. The reason I delved into Bloodraven's story is that it sheds light on the Blackwood's connection to skin-changing abilities, which likely explains their enduring loyalty to the old gods. Their faith has led them to even wage wars to protect it, such as the Battle of the Six Kings. And speaking of the House, there's this interesting trend of having quite a number of notable women. Agnes, Black Ali, Melissa, Melantha, and Black Betha are some of them. Agnes Blackwood, for example, was the Lady of Raventry Hall and was the head of the House during the time of King Harbin Hor's invasion from the Iron Islands. After Harbin defeated Samuel Rivers' small force at the Tumblestone, Lord Tom and Tully joined forces with Agnes at Raventry Hall, but things went bad when Lord Lothar Bracken attacked Agnes' forces from behind. He captured her and two of her sons and handed them over to Harvin. Harvin strangled the boys himself and then offered Agnes to be his salt wife, to which Agnes answered with the iconic, I would sooner have your sword inside me than your cock. Before her execution, Agnes said something else too, something that is undeniably more interesting and prophetic. I have other sons. Raventry shall endure long after you, and yours are cast down and destroyed. Your line shall end in blood and fire. Something we know came to pass very soon after, since his line indeed ended with the burning of his grandson Haren and his castle, Harrenhal, by House Targaryen. I think that dreams and green powers are a thing in general in House Blackwood. In the Stark family today, the Stark kids who can definitely skin change have a great-grandma from House Blackwood, Melantha. Some fans also speculate that Brandon and Lyanna might have had a special bond with horses, just as the current Stark children did with their wolves before they understood working. People even call them half-horses and centaurs. Daenerys' great-grandma was also a Blackwood, even though it's obvious with Danny that it's her Targaryen blood that it's the prominent one. There were many important Blackwood members during the Dance of the Dragons, the Blackwoods supported the Blacks, and their earlier lords had back Leonard's claim to the Iron Throne too. Later on, we saw Sam, Alisan, Benzicott, and Rob Rivers getting involved. Samuel was the head of the house at the start of the war, and Lord Benzicott Blackwood was Samuel's son and heir, known as Bloody Ben. He later became the Lord of Raventry and fought in the Dance of the Dragons. Black Ali was Lord Benzicott's aunt, who married Craig and Stark and commanded 300 Riverland archers. Rob was a Blackwood bastard and the best archer in all of Westeros at the time, and like Ali, he also commanded archers and took part in battles. 
A crucial role he played was shooting down the messenger ravens meant for the Greens. In the present time, the head of House Blackwood is Lord Titus, who has seven children, Brynden, Lucas, Hoster, Edmund, Alan, Bethany and Robert, six sons and one daughter. When Riveran surrendered, Raven Rehold became the last holdout still loyal to the Starks. In the process of negotiating the surrender of Raventry, Jamie managed to strike a deal with Titus, and instead of Bethany, Jamie took Hoster as a hostage, taking into consideration Titus' plea. So we have skin changers, we have very good archers with weirwood bows, warrior women, one of which said a very interesting quote about fire and blood to the horse, and they are loyal to the people they swear an oath to. After all this, here is my biggest question mark about the house. Its history contradicts its sigil and whole name. What I mean by that is that their name is Blackwood, which is the exact opposite of a weirwood. But the weirwood is dead, and every night the branches are covered by ravens, making them look black. So it could be because of that. And it would make sense, considering their sigil is the dead weirwood surrounded by ravens, It would also be the name they had in the north, and the Woolswood has been described as dark ones. A forest of oak and evergreen and black brier that seemed older and darker than any Tyrion had ever seen. The Woolswood, Benjen Stark called it. In this chapter, Tyrion has more comments about the darkness of the forest. If the Blackwoods controlled most of this dark thick with black brier wood, then their name could be derived from this. But again, we are not sure. The name of their current seat is Raventry Hall, and along with their sigil where we see the tree dead, it contradicts their whole story. The Brackens poisoned it. For a thousand years, it has not shown a leaf. In another thousand, it will have turned to stone, the maesters say. Weirwoods never rot. But we are also told this. It is, my lord, the boy said. But some of the histories were panned by their maesters and some by ours. Centuries after the events that they purpose to chronicle. It goes back to the age of heroes. The Blackwoods were kings in those days. The Brackens were petty lords, renowned for breeding horses. Rather than pay their king his just due, they used the gold the horses brought them to hire swords and cast him down. And in the World Book, we are told that the Blackwoods even claimed the mouth of the Blackwater Ash. So we are talking about a very powerful house at the time, and they claimed that the Brackens were jealous petty lords, who hired sellswords. If they were that powerful, then they must have had a sigil and a hole prior to their tree being poisoned. So why the hell do they have Raventry Hall and the dead tree on their arms? Why have these names and images if the weirwood was poisoned so much later? Either they changed everything after the poisoning, and to be honest, I doubt it wouldn't have been mentioned somewhere if a whole house of kings changed their sigil and castle name, or the tree wasn't poisoned by the Brackens and was like that from the start, thus all these names and imagery. But... If this is the case, then the Blackwoods changed their sigil for some reason when they left the north, unlike the Manderleys, for example, who kept their coat of arms and even replicated their castle when they left the Ritz. And also, the tree must have been dead before they rose to great power, since they named their castle after it and even have its likeness on their sigil. And if they changed their sigil when they moved south, who says that the name Blackwood is the original one? Because to be honest, I think it is a new one, since unlike Tyrion, Kathleen, during the day and not during the evening, describes it as old, but she also describes it as green. For her sake, Ned had built a small sept where she might sing to the seven faces of God. But the blood of the first men still flowed in the veins of the Starks, and his own gods were the old ones, the nameless, faceless gods of the greenwood they shared with the vanished children of the forest. At the center of the grove, an ancient weirwood brooded over a small pool where the waters were black and cold. The Hartree, Ned called it. 
Since Winterfell is located in the Wolfswood, the forest inside the walls of the castle is part of the Wolfswood. And we see pretty much the same trees as in the rest of the forest, and it just has some man-made paths. And even in Bran's chapters, the wood is always connected with the color green. Prince, the man-made sound came to his head suddenly, yet he could feel the rightness of it. Prince of the green, Prince of the Wolfswood. He was strong and swift and fierce, and all that lived in the good green world went in fear of him. Bran, while skin changing in the summer, described the wolf as Prince of the Green and Prince of the Wolfswood. Summer thinks of himself as a prince since everyone is afraid of him, and Bran, the warg and now Greenseer, was an actual Prince of the Wolfswood at the time. And this is where I move to the main theory. I think the Blackwoods are the descendants of the working in the north. Before my explanation of this theory, I want to analyze the topography of the area a little bit more. We are talking about the time after the Long Night, when the Starks started their expansion, and prior to the Horse. The Wolfswood was bigger, extending to the southwestern part of the north, but a large portion of the forest was burned completely by Harag Hor and his Ironborn. For a time, the Stony Sword did fell to Harag and his Ironmen. Swaths of the Wolfswood were nothing but ashes. We do not know how far south the wood reached, but it was most definitely as south as the Stony Shore, from what I understand from the World Book. The Blackwoods controlled most of the forest, according to them, and certain runic records. So before the Starks, the Blackwoods were the most powerful rulers in the area, if they were indeed the ones controlling most of the wood. But there is also a very interesting story about another ruler in the forest, that not only makes sense that he would be the most powerful, it is also mentioned right in the next paragraph of the World Book. Chronicles found in the archives of the Night's Watch at the Nightford, before it was abandoned, speak of the war for the Sea Dragon Point, wherein the Starks brought down the War King and his inhuman allies, the Children of the Forest. When the War King's last rebound fell, his sons were put to the sword along with his beasts and greenseers, whilst his daughters were taken as prizes by their conquerors. If there was a working with many animals under his rule, the children's help, as well as Greensears, for sure this one was the most powerful king around the forest. So considering this, the runes claiming the Blackwoods were controlling most of the Woolswood, and the fact that there are Blackwoods with green powers and the mentor and current Greensear is half Blackwood, I think it's not crazy to conclude that we are talking about the same family and that the current Blackwoods come from the line of the working. Sea Dragon's Point is part of the Woolswood, is the westernmost part of the forest. Sea Dragon Point had not always been as thinly populated as it was now. Old ruins could still be found amongst its hills and bogs, and remains of ancient strongholds of the first men. In the high places, there were weirwood circles left by the children of the forest. What's there? I'll tell you. Two long coastlines, a hundred hidden coves, otters in the lakes, salmon in the rivers, clams along the shore, colonies of seals of shore, tall pines for building ships. There are ancient strongholds and ruins, so more people were living there at some point. There are many weirwoods, and the food in comparison to other areas in the north is much easier to find. The place sounds like a great seat for a king, and even more for a war king with green seers, considering there are quite a lot of weirwood groves around there, and in the rest of the Woolswood, it isn't as common to find big groves or many of them close to each other. Even in the Woolswood, you never found more than two or three of the white trees growing together. A grove of nine wasn't heard of. In Sea Dragon Point, there are groves on every hill, which is impressive for such a small area. Plus, if the wood extended as south as the stony shore, 
we can see that indeed these rulers had most of the forest under their command. Like the Blackwoods claim, and like a magical king of that caliber is expected to have ruled. We are told that the Starks put all the men, seers, and animals to the sword, and they took the women. But really, how easy could it have been to do this? They were so powerful and magical, and not even one member escaped, not even a bastard, even though people were practicing the first night at the time. Highly unlikely, in my opinion, considering that there is a pattern in the series with the bastards of the house being very important and successful. Bloodraven is not just a skin changer and a green seer, he also served as Hand of the King and Commander of the Watch, and we have also seen Benedict Rivers, who founded House Jasmine. The house is now extinct, and Benedict was a bastard born of House Blackwood and Bracken. When younger, he wasn't very well liked, but he became a great knight, and his prowess earned him the support of his parents' families, and then other river lords as well. Benedict was able to defeat all the petty kings in the Riverlands in just over 30 years, after which he allowed himself to be crowned. As King Benedict the Bold became known as Benedict Just, which led him to naming his house House Justman. During his 23-year reign, Benedict expanded east of the Maidenpool and north to the Neck. So a bastard of the house escaping, along with whatever support they might have left, doesn't sound crazy at all. If anything, it makes sense. If the final battle and the executions took place at Sea Dragon Point and whatever survivors remained fled south, the first place where they would have been safe from the Starks would be the west part of the northern Riverlands, where their current city is located, since House Stark had expanded as south as the Rills and the Neck and anywhere north from there would have been a no-no. If they wanted to remain low-key because they were afraid of the Starks or the line was continued by a bastard of the house, it makes sense why they would change their sigil, etc. and adopt imagery and names inspired by their new seed and not hold on to their original ones. Because it is obvious their sigil isn't the same. And as I said, I think their name was also changed and they were named House Greenwood in the north. First of all, unlike the Manderleys, they were not exiled. They left because they were afraid of what was gonna happen to them and didn't want to bend the knee to the Starks either. And looking at the stories we get about the early Starks, I doubt they would be lenient to people that didn't stay with the rest of their family in their last moments and didn't try to fight them or support them, and instead fled. So if I am not completely off about this theory, it makes sense for them to change their name as well as their coat of arms. Secondly, if the person who moved the house was a bastard, then again, these changes are to be expected. And if the original name wasn't Blackwood, I think it was Greenwood, and I will explain my reasoning right away. We know that there was a house Greenwood in the Woolswood that got extinct at the time, and it is the first house mentioned in the workbook after the story about the working and the Blackwoods. As I mentioned above, the Woolswood is described as green, and we know of a house named Greenwood. We do not know the name of the family of the working, but the name Greenwood for a family with skin changers and green seers that controlled most of the Woolswood would make sense. And it is also very similar to the name Blackwood. This type of name could have easily been subtype of nickname of a member of the Greenwood family. Brynden Tully is called Blackfish, a play on their sigil and the fact that Brynden is the black sheep of the family. We have various members of House Blackwood with striking black hair and eyes that are called Black, like Ali and Betha. Bloodraven is also a nickname based on appearance as well as house, and this is very common in the novels in general. If the person who reestablished the house 
and if they indeed were from the line of the working, and had black hair and eyes as the members have now, or was a raven skin changer again like Blood Raven now, they could easily have a nickname like Black Name Greenwood. It would be some sort of wordplay, thus Blackwood. Or it could be a variation of the original name that the bastard line would use. And of course, the change could also have been made to commemorate the destruction that befell of the house and all those that died since the color black is used to indicate grief. And that brings me to the dead Weirwood, which is a point of interest about the family and the reason for this theory. Since the reason I personally am so interested in this house, and I imagine other people as well, is the fact that the explanation for the tree's death doesn't add up with her sigil and hole. I know the name Bracken is a play at the whole story about the poisoning since Brackens are toxic, but it really doesn't make sense and I think it's more of an easter egg if anything. So here is my contribution to the tinfoil as far as the weirwood goes. They said the tree was poisoned 1000 to 500 years before the Andals, but the Blackwoods settled and were kings in the Riverlands many years before this event. If they were kings though, they definitely had a coat of arms and a hole. And from what I understand, Raventry was their first and only seat in the Riverlands. So why the hell is the tree already dead in their images and names? It doesn't make sense. The tree was dead from the start, otherwise we are talking about a house with two to three different sigils. Either one in the north, one when they came south, and their current one, that was established when the tree died, or they had their thousand years old sigil from the north and changed it for some reason after the poisoning. But frankly, both sound kinda dumb and highly unlikely. Let's say the tree was poisoned. Why put it on your sigil? And why is no one commenting on it if the poisoning itself is already talked about? Why the hell remove a thousand years old sigil from the north? Or why change your sigil for a third time? It is almost certain that the sigil they had in the north was changed and they changed it to their current one when they came south and the tree was already dead. But then there are other questions. Did they do something to their tree for some reason or did they go to a place that had a dead weirwood? The thing is, if they went to a place with a dead weirwood, why? Why do people who believe in the old gods and have green seers and skin changer in their family choose to have a dead heart tree? On top of that, we do not know how and why a weirwood dies. Bloodraven said they do not die if left undisturbed, and we have seen just one moribund weirwood in the citadel in the Isle of Ravens. Moss and creeping vines covered the walls, some saw, and ravens walked the battlements in place of archers. The drawbridge had not been raised in living memory. It was cool and dimmed inside the castle walls. An ancient weirwood filled the yard as it had since this stone had first been raised. The carved face on its trunk was grown over by the same purple moss that hung heavy from the tree's pale limbs. Half of the branches seemed dead, but elsewhere a few red leaves still rustled, and it was there the ravens liked to perch. The tree was full of them, and there were more in the arched windows overhead all around the yard. The ground was speckled with the droppings. As they crossed the yard, one flapped overhead and he heard the others squawking to each other. Here the tree is in a bad state for some reason, but unlike the ravens in Raven Tree, here they perch on the living branches. Plus, they sit on the tree because they sit everywhere in the castle since it's the rookery of the citadel, and they are many and all over the place. It's not like every evening like clockwork, all the ravens cover the tree, at least as far as we know. 
The mosque here has expanded, covering staff all over the place, meaning it's not something that started recently, so I doubt this is the problem. Mosque in general isn't dangerous, so either we have a magical mosque train or something else is the problem. In the Blackwoods tree, we do not see anything out of the ordinary about the flora around it, and maybe it is just me, but poisoning as the reason for a weirwood's death is so dumb and lame, oh my god. And the problem remains, basically, why move to a place with a dead weirwood. I think the Blackwoods did something to the weirwood themselves for some reason. Otherwise, why have it on your sigil and hold name? But how, and most importantly, why? The only way for a weirwood to die I can think of, and sounds plausible and interesting, is to drain its power, use it in a spell-sacrifice kind of thing. Weirwoods have power, we can see this, people can see through them, they do not die, they feed on blood, and when the children, as well as the human skin dangers, die, they go into the trees as we saw in the Varamir prologue, and in the info we got from Leaf. Bloodraven remains alive because he is one with the tree, and Bran ate sap along with other stuff to be wed to the tree. Weirwoods can provide power. Maybe it's me without a book for a decade, but draining the tree if the thing you want to do is very important or difficult sounds 100% plausible. All in all, only death can pay for life, and a great gift requires a great sacrifice. And if they use the tree for something very, very important, it makes sense why they would choose such a humongous tree and why they would put it in their sigil and whole name. Otherwise, their story is just messy and inconsistent. And that would explain the one in Old Town. Because Euron is planning to do something and it looks big. And it is most likely a blood sacrifice since there are priests involved and two relatives of his, his brother and his unborn child. So pretty much his blood. And according to some people, Leighton and Malora Hightower are inside the tower looked and searching for spells. So knowingly or unknowingly, they could use the tree. I don't know how far-fetched it sounds, but in my head, it is one of the very few things that make sense. Using the power of the tree for something. Otherwise, it is a lame death of a weirwood that for some inexplicable reason was put on their sigil. Now the exact reason for using a tree's power isn't something that, at least with the information we have so far, we can be sure about. If I had to take a guess, it would be to have their ancestors with them or something similar. If indeed the Blackwoods are from the same line as the working, then when the Starks killed their green seers and beasts, things must have been very, very bad and serious, since from the Varamir prologue and Bran's last chapters, we know that all these skin changers go into their animals and trees when they die. For a moment it was as if he were inside the weirwood, gazing out through carpet eyes as a dying man twitched feebly on the ground, and a mad woman danced blind and bloody underneath the moon, weeping red tears and ripping at her clothes. Then both were gone, and he was rising, melting, his spirit born on some cold wind. He was in the snow and in the clouds, he was a sparrow, a squirrel, an oak. A horned owl flew silently between his trees, hunting an air. Varamir was inside the owl, inside the earth, inside the trees. Deep below the frozen ground, earthworms burrowed blindly in the dark, and he was them as well. I am the wood and everything that's in it, he thought exulting. A hundred ravens took to the air, cowing as they felt him pass. A great elk trumpeted, unsettling the children clinging to his back. A sleeping direwolf raised his head to snarl at empty air. Before their hearts could beat again, he had passed on searching for his own. For one eyes, lion, stalker, for his pack. His wolves would save him, he told himself. 
That was his last thought as a man. And from what we know about the Greensears, I personally understand that they had somewhat of a connection with their people, like Brynden was visiting Bran. Their wise men were called Greensears, and carved strange faces in their weirwoods to keep watching on the woods. How long the children reigned here, or where they came from, no man can know. And this is something Mira and Jojen point out too. The Greensears wielded power. They weren't just there watching. Losing them not only was devastating, because they most likely were their family. They also lost their guidance, the people who advised them and helped them. The Greensears turned the trees into warriors, and the Greensears were the ones to call the Hammer of the Waters. When they met Bloodraven, he was called a wizard. If all these people were killed, then it makes sense for them to want to do something to prevent all these Greensears and Skin Changers from being completely lost to them and sacrificing the tree for something like this, I think was worth it. And then it would make sense to put the dead tree on their sigil since it was the sacrifice and the ravens would symbolize all these spirits because this is what the ravens are, I think. They were the animals all these spirits went into. Ravens seem like they have a very unique connection and a slightly different place from other animals. Under the hill, the broken boy sat upon a weirwood throne, listening to the whispers in the dark as ravens walked up and down his arms. You will never walk again, the three-eyed crow had promised, but you will fly. Sometimes the sound of songs would drift up from some place far below. The children of the forest, old man, would have called the singers, but those who sing the song of earth was their own name for themselves, in the true tongue that no human man could speak. The ravens could speak it, though. Their small black eyes were full of secrets, and they would cow at him and peck his skin when they heard the songs. If the ravens were the way for the Greensears to communicate, as Blood Raven does, then it makes sense for all these spirits to go into the ravens. The Hartrees tend to look like actual family members. A face had been cut in the trunk of a great tree, its features long and melancholy, the deep-cut eyes red with dried sap and strangely watchful. The tree face has the classic stark look. Weirwoods seem to be vessels containing the spirits of the dead, and that would also explain why people bury their dead under them, and why all these weirwood roots pass through skulls in Brand's cave. And Greensears go for sure into the tree. Most of him has gone into the tree, explained the singer Mira called Leaf. He has lived beyond his mortal span, and yet he lingers. The chosen ones are not robust, and their quick years upon the earth are few, for every song must have its balance. But once inside the wood, they linger long indeed. A thousand eyes, a hundred skins, wisdom deep as the root of ancient trees. Greensears. If their people were killed and their spirits went into a tree that obviously cannot move, then abandoning them when they left would be like losing them again. So sacrificing a weirwood to have all their ancestors join the remaining family by putting them in the ravens that visit the tree every day sounds like a good idea. Ravens know the true tongue, they can talk and fly, so it isn't very easy to kill them either. We know a small part of the spirit stays in the ravens when they have been skin stained by someone. Someone else was in the raven, some girl, I felt her, a woman of those who sing the song of the earth, the editor said. Long dead, yet a part of her remains, just as part of you would remain in summer, if your boy's flesh were to die upon the morrow. A shadow on the soul, she will not harm you. So... Pretty much the same thing that happens with the Greensears and the trees, but in ravens. And this is why I believe they sacrificed their current tree so they can move their Greensears and dead relatives from the north to their current seat. I also think the dead that they bury underneath their dead will go partially in ravens 
And this is why ravens continue to visit the tree every night to this day. The reason I think that are, one, ravens continue to come every night for millennia at this point. Two, from what I understand, the reason the first man buried the dead under the heart trees was that their spirits went into the tree and stayed with them in a way, and the Blackwoods still bury their dead under their weirwood. Lucas was murdered at the Red Wedding. Walter Frey's fourth wife was a Blackwood, but kinship counts for no more than guest right at the Twins. I should like to bury Lucas beneath a tree, but the Freys have not yet seen fit to return his bones to me. And three, even after the death, weirwoods do not act like normal trees. They turn into stone, so I do not know whether they are dead or in some sort of stasis, like Danny's eggs that were also turned to stone, but they hatched, so not dead at all. Maybe it cannot contain the dead itself like a normal weirwood, but it could be still the way for all these spirits to pass into the ravens. This pretty much is my theory about the house. While in the north, the Blackwoods indeed ruled most of the woodswood as workings and greensears, and the OG name was Greenwood. When the remaining family moved to their current seat, they used the power from the tree so they could bring their greensears and dead family members who were into their weirwoods in the north with them. Do I believe it is the weirdest Soya theory? Hell no, let's be honest, but it is pretty speculative. Feel free to comment your ideas and opinions about the house and the video, and if you enjoyed it, press a like, leave a comment, and subscribe. The next upload is gonna be the Squid Ball video, and until then, bye!